It's apparently time to hear from an educated melanin queen, wife, and boy mom, keeping it real about the joys and struggles of parenthood and marriage. Discover how to stay true to you while navigating your friendships, the single life, work life, your romantic relationships, and parenthood. Although you may gain some useful tips while listening to this podcast, please remember that this does not replace the support you'd receive from sessions with a licensed mental health professional. All right, everyone. So here for today, we are continuing to celebrate Black love for the month of February. If you haven't had the chance, be sure to go check out the last episode with Jeremiah and Fabiola. There were definitely lots of laughs and good information shared. But for today, to kickstart this episode, with me is the lovely couple that I met at Oakwood University. Please welcome Nate and Lily to the show. Hey guys. What's up? up? (laughs) So if you guys just want to go ahead and tell um, the listeners a little bit about, you know, you guys, kind of what you guys do for a living, and then we'll just kind of jump into the conversation. Sure. Sounds good. Uh, Appreciate you for having us, Hazel. It's good to to see you. Glad to see that you're doing well. I'm Nate Nathaniel. Uh, I'm a pastor, have been for the last seven, seven, eight years. I love what I do. Um, Also about maybe three or so years ago, I started and, you know, down a new a professional path, which is as a, a marriage and family therapist. And so I'm happy to be on with a marriage and family therapist. <laughs> just became licensed in that arena as well. So kind of trying to figure out how to merge those two things, ministry and and, uh, and therapy. But I love, I love what I do, love helping people. I love Black love and I'm happy to be on here. Yes. Awesome. (laughs) And kudos to another LMFT. I feel like we're so few in number, but the work we do is definitely powerful. True. Um, Hi, everyone. Uh, Hi, Hazel. Hi. (laughs) My name is Lily, and I am a psychiatric registered nurse um, and have been in that role, or um, I've been working as a nurse for a little over two years now. So I've been in the inpatient setting and currently I am an ECT or electroconvulsive therapy nurse. So I work with patients who are like medication resistant to antidepressants, who experience catatonia or who are psychotic. And uh, so I work with um, those individuals. And then I also am a um, ketamine infusion nurse. So definitely individuals who are, you know, definitely depressed and this is like their last resort. So definitely um, have enjoyed working with my psych patients. I know everyone says, you know, kudos to psych, pac- uh, to psych nurses, but like, I feel like now, you know, that I'm two years in, it's definitely a calling. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was sitting here like, girl, hats off to you. Cause I've done crisis work as like a clinician. I just go into the hospital, yeah. do the assessment. And then we say, Hey, you know, you need to go to a psych hospital or maybe you go home with some resources. And girl, let me tell you, <laughs> hats off to you for like saying this is what I love. Yeah. Because it's needed. Definitely now. Yeah. Yeah. In our climate. today. Yeah, definitely. All right. So let's jump right in. The first question I have for you guys today is how long have you guys been together? So we have been together for about 11 years. So 2009, we were at Oakwood, which is our junior year, November 29th. I remember that's when we first got together. So we've been together since then, been married about eight and a half years now. Nice. And um, you, I think you had mentioned already where you guys met, right? Yeah, I met at Oakwood. Yeah, which is a historically black college. Now university, you gotta shout that out. Yes, HBCUs. Interested? This is ours and Hazel's ten-year reunion. Yes. So yeah, the great Oakwood University is where we met. Freshman. Yes. Yes. And what was it that you would say was like the first thing that attracted you guys to each other? I'll take this one. I'll start. (laughs) So, so I mean, I'm a man. You know, I. The, the eyes appeal to me. So what appeals to me first is what I see with my eyes. So before before I asked any questions, before we had any conversation, I was like, this girl is fine. <laughs> and, and so I, I thought she was beautiful. Just 
Drop Dead Beautiful when I first time I saw her, which was orientation um, of our, our freshman year. And one of the things that intrigued me about her and attracted me to her was that, at least for me, maybe I hadn't got out much, but I had never before seen a <laughs> black girl with green eyes. That was like foreign to me. So I was just like, this is crazy. So I thought she was mixed, but she wasn't mixed. I was like, wow, this is this is like an anomaly. But um, <laughs> I love her eyes, her, her beauty attracted me first. But then when I got beyond just the external and we had some conversations, we got to know each other and stuff like that. Uh, like she was literally different than any girl I, I had ever met. And, and it's not bringing braggadocious or anything like that, but I've never really had trouble or difficulty um, you know, talking to girls or relating to girls and, you know, things like that. Um, I would even say it was somewhat easy, right? Um, but then when I met her, it's like she went the extra mile to make everything. <laughs> so she was, a, she was a challenge. It, it wasn't easy. And I was throwing out my best stuff. And she was just like, yeah, that ain't enough. Um, so I, definitely, definitely the challenge, you know, with her. She was like a no, like you can tell, not because she said it, but you can tell by the way she carried herself that she was no nonsense, that you're not gonna just approach her on, on some trash and, and end up with her, you know, as a friend or as a girlfriend. So um, definitely those were some of the things that I appreciated about her. And ever since I, I met her, I never found anyone else in my eyes for me that measured up to that. Right. It's funny you started off with the attraction because it's the same thing I was talking about with uh, Fabiola and Jeremiah when I recorded with them is that like we have to be honest. Not that we're like vain, but like we want to like what we see because I feel like that's an important thing. And also, although the Bible says like, you know, don't focus on the outward appearance. I mean, come on now. <laughs> I ain't blind. All right. <laughs> and what about for you, Lily? Oh, so... I'll start with the inner things that you can't see first, and then we'll go to the outer um, appearance. But uh, when I first met Nate, he was kind of like to himself, and he he's a twin. So his twin was like, there were so many people around him. Um, his twin's name is Nathan. And so everyone's like laughing around Nathan. And Nate's kind of like off to the side. And so I know for me, I'm like that too. So I was like, oh, so I instantly like just went up to him and started talking. And during that maybe five to 10 minute talk, I just realized, you know, he's a very like laid back down to earth person. He likes sports, which at that time I was definitely into sports, played basketball in high school. And so, you know, we were just talking about a lot of stuff. And then, you know, I, when he told me that he was a theology major, I was just like, ooh, I was told to stay away from you. And he was like, oh, never mind. I'm not a theology major. So he started laughing. And so I think that's another aspect that I liked about him that he made me laugh. and. I, I definitely will say, like during you know the the hard times, laughter does definitely work, especially in our relationship. Um, and then I told him when he started growing a beard, that's when he turned his his sexy up. <laughs> so, um, needless to say, he has not gotten rid of. <laughs> Is that how you got baby number two, Nate? I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> Gotta get people what they want. Yeah. And what would you say are uh, some of the things that you noticed that helped you to make the decision? Yup, she's the one or he's the one. So the first one for me was, um, you know, just observing how he treated his mom and how much he, even to this day, how he loves on her because, you know, I'm a mom and I'm a woman and, you know, how he would treat his mom is how he's going to treat me. And so seeing how that he was a, like a family man, um, even though he, you know, was a theology major, you couldn't tell. I mean, in, in a good way. I think also too, I'll say that he was a, still is um, a humble guy, will not brag on himself. And so, you know, we each have been each other's, you know, braggers and just realizing like, I need laughter in my life and he supplies that. So, you know, I was just sharing with him like, it, it was like little things along the way. It wasn't like, oh, bam, like I know now. It was just, you know, subtly like, oh, I could see my life with Nate or, you know, towards maybe the end of our um, our year at, at Oakwood, it was like a for sure, like, okay, this is it. That was very beautiful. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was great. I liked the little, you know, little by little, little subtle hints. For me, it was the complete opposite, all right? It wasn't <laughs> little, little by little. I met her. 
freshman year, orientation week. And I tell her, I told her to this day on our wedding day, I said it as well. When I when I left from that, from the very first encounter I ever had with her, I was with Nathan, my brother, um, and she was with a couple of her friends. We kind of talked to the group. You know, it was nothing like one-on-one between the two of us. We were just in a group kind of talking, where are you from? What's your name? What's your major? Stuff like that. Um, you know, very just, just cordial and simple. But there was enough. I don't know if it was the Lord or whatever. There was enough there in that encounter where immediately when my brother and I turned around and we went walked back to our dorm room, I looked at him and I literally said to him, she's going to be my wife. Like right there, point blank, freshman only. We didn't even date until junior year, but I, told him, I was like, listen, I don't know how it's going to happen. <laughs> so I, 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 uh, I'm very uh, appreciative of her, you know, subtle hints here and there, you know, everybody has their, their, their thing. But for me, it was like, no, right there. Damn, there was there was something about her that said to me, you're not going to find this if you if you keep looking. You found it like this is it. And I don't know. I didn't know how it's going to work out. You know, we, we both went our separate ways, eventually came back. But it was something about that encounter where I just knew this is it. Wow, three years you like you sat and you schemed and you thought about it and you was like some way somehow I'm gonna get her. <laughs> I remember coming over uh, to the annex when Lily yeah. used to live over there and see you yeah. hanging out over there. Yeah. And I think you guys were in couples in Christ too, right? Yeah, we were. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I, w- I was talking about that with uh, Jeremiah and Fabiola oh, too because they were yeah. also yeah. Jeremiah and Fab. Shout out. Yeah. <laughs> I tell her that all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. What would you say was maybe the best advice or maybe some of the tips that you received prior to getting married and then even as a married couple? And if you want to throw in the air, like being a married couple with kids as well, definitely throw that in. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I remember when I was thinking about that, that question, um, I think back to our reception of our wedding day. And I remember that there was a, a portion of, of of the reception where people were allowed to come up to the microphone and and offer people. No, no, that wasn't it. People wrote down on pieces of paper advice that they would give us, and then the MC of the reception ran, read off the responses that people said. And one of the things that I remember, a, a family member of mine, cousin T. Marshall Kelly, who I love very dearly, he he stood up and he said, "Don't worry about." staying together forever just try to make it to the next sunset mm. and um you know and i still look back at the you know the recording of our, our reception and every time i hear him say that it kind of like reinforces to me this this idea that for me which is different from lily i come from a family of divorce mm-hmm. um, just my parents but divorce all over grandparents you know father i mean everybody just divorces and so longevity in, in marriage is something or was something that was foreign to me. And I'll be lying if I said that it didn't scare me when I was considering marrying Lily. If I thought that, you know, maybe I was going to end up being like those in my family who just couldn't last and couldn't. And so I, I, I would be fixated like, okay, whatever you do, you have to be married longer than your parents were married. My parents were married eight years. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, I got to make it to eight years, make it past eight years just to get over the curse. And I'm mm-hmm. saying this stuff for myself. And then, so I have to constantly repeat to myself what he said, that that even though, yes, of course, I want to be married to my wife forever, I don't want to drive myself crazy trying to worry about forever. Like, I just want to make today count. And then right. if I'm blessed to see tomorrow, I want to make tomorrow count. And if we string right. enough of those together, then I believe it'll take us to forever. Right, right. Yeah, that's something that I stress with my um, clients, too. Like, it doesn't make sense worrying about things that are so far in the future that you can't have any control over, but just focusing on the here and now is definitely helpful. That, that, that was a powerful statement. Don't focus on the future, but focus on making it to the next sunset. Yeah, yeah, I like that. What about you, Lily? Um, so uh, a fellow Oakwoodite, um, Jason O'Rourke. Um, shout out to Jason. Big shout out. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, like literally maybe a couple weeks after we got married, he pulled us aside and he was like, I'm going to give you just one word of advice. He said, I know you're getting advice from everybody, but he said, listen to this one. And still to this day, we remember it. Like he said it today, he said, be comfortable being naked around each other. <laughs> when your engagement set. <laughs> like we looked at each other, we looked at him and we're like, 
okay. And then we started practicing it. At first it was weird, you know, it was awkward. But then I was like, okay, you know, this is doable. And I'm, I think slowly the, the awkwardness went away. But I, I appreciate um, Jason for sharing that because, you know, not only do you want to feel comfortable in your own skin, but you want to feel comfortable being around your spouse and, you know, like vice versa for him as well. And it just made me, you know, realize and like realize that I need to appreciate him for who he is. You know, we came into this world naked. And, you know, I think when we first <laughs> practiced, <laughs> practiced this, um, you know, it's like, oh, we're, we're um, picking out all of our imperfections. But then it was like, oh, well, it's not so bad. And so I would definitely say be comfortable, definitely be comfortable in your own skin, but also be comfortable being naked as well. Mm -hmm. I, I appreciated that too. And we, you know, in, enjoyed that because it was like all the the pretension, insecurities, things you try to hide go away. And then you just mm -hmm. learn to appreciate each other for themselves. And of course, kids came and ruined that practice. Well, we ain't do that. Ain't our story. Oh, well, we, okay. Yeah, but, but we, had, we had a strong we five did. years okay. of dressing as we wanted to. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what would you say is like some of the, speaking of kids, what would you say uh, with some of the tips or advice that you received on how to keep your marriage kind of going or to keep that spontaneity or the creativity going as a married couple? So honestly, I don't remember getting too much advice about that. And, mm. and again, because from my perspective, there were not many marriages in my family. Um, I, I can't even, in my immediate family, I, I really can't think of any, um, you know, marriages in, in my family where, they were able to pull from their experience and and you know give me advice on on what to do. Of course, they would they would offer advice you know here and there, maybe about something that they heard or something that they saw. But it was not really you know any marriages where they could say, "Man, we had you know children, we had to do X, Y, and Z to keep the smart going." And so it, it was it was honestly it's honestly been learning like as we go, talking mm -hmm. to friends you know mm -hmm. stuff like that. But but learning as we go, and I know for myself personally. I completely underestimated how difficult intimacy would be after children. I did not, I mean, and I was like, I was that, that husband that was like, you know, when we didn't have kids, well, you know, when, when can we have kids? Can we do it now? Let's, let's, let's go ahead. And, yes. And little, it little, was little, him. It was not me. You know, little, <laughs> like, just, just, you know, just kind of chill. It's going to happen when it happens. Let's just take advantage. I'm like, I'm taking advantage of this. Like, I want some, I want some little one. Mm -hmm. then, then the little one came and I'm just like, <laughs> we get any alone time. <laughs> so it was, it was definitely, um, definitely difficult with with uh, with Naya our, our first child just trying to find ways to be creative and so for me I would say if I gave advice to anybody in terms of being married keeping intimacy going when you have kids is you know learn to take advantage of small opportunities five minutes here or there nap time um, when they go to bed you know one of, one of the times we joke about it, one of the times where, we, where we're able to spend the most alone time together and it's not just about sex although that's in it as well is when when Naya has her bath time. She loves taking baths every night. And I love giving her baths every night because I can put her in there. She's safe. She's good. Listen to her music. And I get some time with my wife. Yes. You know? <laughs> the small opportunities, I would say, is, is, is good. Yeah, definitely. I definitely hear you guys on that because we're up here in New England by ourselves. So we've been up here. I came up here in 2004. No, I'm, I'm lying. 2011. So I've been up here for, yeah, 10 years. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and my family, um, at that time, they were four hours away. My family's in New York. But, you know, huge shout out to my mom. Every time we needed her, she would always come up to watch the kids, to babysit the kids. I remember one year she came up here and watched. At that time, we only had our first son. She came up here and watched him for a week so that we can go. We could go on a cruise with uh, Janae, my friend Janae, and uh, her now husband. So yeah, my mom has been clutch. So I would Does say, you, you, you know, rent her services. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Look, oh, I've been trying to rent my mom, okay? She's been a nanny for like 30 plus years, and I cannot get her to retire and just come up here and watch mine, okay? I've been trying to rent my own mom. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely agree with you, Nate. Like any small opportunity that you can mm-hmm. get, like utilize that. For us, it is nap time, or my son, he goes down, my first one, not my second one. I don't, I won't even talk about him, but the first one, he goes to bed between seven, seven thirty faithfully every night. Mm-hmm. So at least we knew prior to having our second son, at least we knew that until we were ready to fall asleep around maybe 10, 10 30, we had like at least three hours to ourselves to hang out, mm-hmm. to watch some stand up, you know, to do fun stuff. Now it's a little bit harder, of course, with like the pandemic, a lot of stuff are shut down. Um, Because we love going to like comedy shows and concerts and stuff like that. Uh, We like to take day trips. But yeah, you definitely have to get more creative once you have kids with being able to stay connected. What about you, Lily? Is there anything that you would add in terms of like what you've learned along the way that you would say to like new parents or even those who are like dating and they may not yet have kids, but they're thinking about it? Things to like prepare themselves for. Girl. (laughs) <laughs> start saving some no yesterday start saving and investing i was telling nate that had i realized <laughs> the state of the world and you know just all the things that have happened in our marriage i would have foregone <laughs> getting married in the traditional setting yes fine getting married at the justice of <laughs> yes <laughs> um and using that money that my mom and dad and others have, you know, just helped us out with the wedding and, you know, invested the money or, you know, put it towards the down payment of a home, paid off some student loans. Yes. Yeah, I would say start saving and investing as soon as you can. And then I think you were going to mention too, but um, definitely getting married, premarital and um, pre-engagement counseling. I think that that was a godsend for us. Shout out to all these shout outs. Shout out to Dr. Michael Selichek. David. David, thank you. Oh, thank you. Well, shout out to him too, because he's cool. But, yeah. um, <laughs> so I am not doing days, by the way. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Dr. Selichek, he just put things in perspective for us. Um, he, we um, each had individual counseling, but we also had counseling on each other. And it lasted how long? Maybe six, three. Seven oh, okay, six or seven months before we got engaged, and then you know maybe a month or two while we were engaged, and we went deep, and it was tough, you know, um, realizing the you know the imperfections that we had, we had because of each other, because of family, and I remember Doc, um, Dr. Selichek asking us, so with all that you you know now about your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Do you want to get married to them? <laughs> that, Yo. He was like, because you have to take them for who they are, for what, you know, the trauma that they've experienced. Like it becomes a part of you now. And so do you want to invest in them? And so I'll, t- I, whenever somebody asks me like, what advice um, would you give to somebody who's going to possibly get married? Yeah. I mean, do the hard work now. I mean, it's going to be hard work throughout, but like do it before you get married because while you're married i mean it, it's definitely possible to you know to um get help but if you can do pre-work before mm-hmm. you'll be better off yeah, yeah yeah i i was like getting chills just listening to you talk about that and i think there are like many layers to this as an issue of like couples, even within the church, like not getting premarital counseling, not getting counseling even before getting engaged. Because I feel I feel like that's so important. Like you said, like you got to work through those issues because your problems become my problems. My problems become your problems. Yes. Your family becomes my family. My family yeah. becomes your family. <laughs> and I don't think a lot of people recognize and think about it i mean it seems like you guys have been blessed to not have to deal with like in-law issues but like a lot of people don't think about a lot of people don't think about how that can become a problem and if you don't have that solid and secure foundation within your relationship that sometimes those problems could put a wedge between you guys and unfortunately end the marriage or the relationship if you didn't put in that hard work in the beginning. So I guess that raises a larger question and you guys don't necessarily have to answer it, but more so 
for us all to think about and even the listeners about how can we, I know we're in this place of normalizing mental health counseling and that it's not just for those who are mentally ill or those who are struggling severely, but it's for like the regular people like you and me who didn't know that uh, becoming a parent would mean I don't have any alone time ever, <laughs> right? Or I don't have the moment to just go up to my wife and give her a hug or try to hump her when no one's looking and not be like, hey, daddy, what you doing? <laughs> So I think the larger question is what needs to be done differently to normalize young couples, new couples, teenagers, whoever it is, at whatever age you need to start, how can we start normalizing people having counseling and being in counseling prior to saying, hey, I'm about to be a missus, I'm about to be a wifey, so that you can start putting in that work. Because yeah, like, I don't care what anyone says. Every single one of us has experienced some type of trauma on some level. It doesn't necessarily have to be I was raped. It doesn't necessarily have to be I witnessed domestic violence, but it could be as simple as my daddy didn't tell me I love you or my daddy um, worked so much that he was never around or my mom was verbally abusive. You know, like it could be all of those different things. So, yeah, I guess a larger thing is like, how can we? make that the norm. Maybe that would be your challenge, Pastor uh, LMFT. <laughs> no, I, think, I think everything that you said is is spot on. Um, and, and I just think one of the things is kind of like, well, well, first, I think that in order to tackle that issue that you were just talking about, that it has to start in the home, right? I think for a lot of people, you know, the first time they, you know, really heard seriously about counseling, therapy, mental health, and stuff like that, is is either like when they become teenagers when they go to college um, or even in this space now where like mental health has become the, the big thing right now so now it's talked about you see it on tv and everywhere before that it wasn't really dealt with you know people thought it was only for crazy people black people don't need it because we got god like all this kind of kind of stuff like that and i think that in the home if we can start you know, tearing down some of those um, some of those stigmas before our children grow up and go out into a world that tells them, "Oh, counselors for crazy people." No, if we can if we can educate them, it, starting like now. My our oldest is three. I know you have you have toddlers as well. We can start early. You know, just kind of painting it in a way where it's like, "No, I just want to be the healthiest version of myself possible." So I can right. I can offer that to the world. I can offer that to my family. And if we can kind of like educate them in a positive way, right before you know before the trauma of life kind of you know takes a hold of them, then I think that can that can go a long way in helping them to to see that hey you know this is just like getting an oil change on my car. It's just making right. sure that everything is in in line, that I'm I'm okay, that I'm healthy, so that the world gets the best version of me. Right, right. Everything requires maintenance, <laughs> even your marriage. <laughs> I had put up a post the other day that um said you you should prioritize scheduling regular business meetings for your relationship because mm. honestly, I mean, I don't want to say that your marriage is a business, but it kind of is. You have to treat it like that. You have to have those regular check-ins. You have to have moments to say, all right, what are we doing great? All right, let's give ourselves a pat on the back. What are some things that we could improve on? Let's talk about it. Let's come up with a game plan and work together to kind of figure that out. And I think it definitely takes work in being in counseling to recognize like, A, my partner isn't my enemy and they're not here to like hurt me, but B, also being able to trust them that you guys will have each other's back no matter what. I think that that definitely takes like having a good therapist or a good person in your corner to have that conversation with you. You know, you're really good at this. Are you a therapist? <laughs> I wanted to say something too. I think also, um, you know, just adding to what you all have said, being honest or like having honest conversations. And then, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable too. Um, like as a psych nurse, I have come across a lot of patients who they waited until they could not wait any longer. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, so-and-so is going to think I'm crazy now, or you probably think I'm crazy now. And I think if we were just honest and real, like parenting is hard, marriage yeah. is hard, living in America is hard. Yeah. And I think just having those starter conversations will 
perpetuate other conversations like, yeah, oh, I had to go and, you know, seek out a therapist. I, I know mm-hmm. for me personally, with when I when we had our first child, um, I dealt with postpartum anxiety. And then when we moved from um, Virginia to Ohio, I was depressed. And I had to, you know, I had to definitely follow suit and get get help. And I think even as therapists, you know, as you and um, Nate are therapists, but even as healthcare workers, I think it's even harder for us to say, you know what, I need help. Right. And you know, especially, um, you know, I think anyone working right now and working inside the home and outside the home, you know, if we if we don't say something, we don't do the necessary help, one day we're going to crack. Right. You know, just those starter conversations with someone that you feel comfortable with, Mm -hmm. um, I think is definitely helpful and definitely like a a good way to, you know, go down a good path. Right. Uh, There are a couple of things you said. So the first one I I always tell, um, especially when I work with individual people, so not necessarily the couples, but individuals that I work with, I always tell them your car does not run on E. Like you can start that engine, you can try to press the gas pedal, that car is going nowhere. Our bodies are the same way. Yes. Or we don't literally like drop down dead and like just stop working. I mean, in some cases you could, if you don't take care of yourself, Mm -hmm. but I always tell my clients, you need to pour into yourself. You need to figure out ways to get that gas in you. So if it's self-care, taking time, speaking to a counselor, figuring out how to manage all of these different feelings that you're having. And then something else I thought about um, too, and I've been, I don't know if you guys are on Clubhouse, but it's, um, I've been in a couple of groups and something I've been thinking about in the different rooms that I've been in is like, we got to figure out a way how to get mental health providers as a part of the prenatal team for a woman. Like from the moment a woman says, I'm pregnant, we got to figure out a way to connect um, that person, that family with a clinician that can kind of be with them through the entire process. So that when you do get to that, when you get to that six week postpartum appointment and the OBGYN is like, hey, how you're doing? And you sit there and you lie like I did. (laughs) Um, You know that you have somebody in your corner that you've built a relationship with over the past, you know, 40 weeks or however long your pregnancy lasts for, you've built a relationship with that person where even if you lie to your OBGYN, you can go to that person and be like, hey, this is what's really going on. I'm really struggling. I need help, you know? So that's something I've been thinking about. Uh, I don't know how to do it. (laughs) You know what, Hazel, you brought up a really good point because um, I was maybe six months into being pregnant and I just told my midwife like I'm depressed now so I was like when I had this this baby <laughs> I'm probably going to be even more depressed so right. she, because she was so resourceful she um teamed me up with a perinatal um therapist and who was also like a child I think is a child life educator and doula mm. and so I started working with her maybe when I was seven months pregnant and I'm still working with her now. And so I definitely agree with you. We should have someone from the get go. Yes. Even when you think, before you think about getting pregnant. Exactly. It's so important. You know, yep, yep. you just need more resources and just, you know, help. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, it's hard. And I think that that's the message that. I kind of want the listeners and just people out there to have. It's not like, don't be scared about it. Like experience life because I'm sure like other things were scary to you. Like getting your driver's license. Like I know getting my driver's license for the first time in Brooklyn, like that's scary. (laughs) You hear like, oh, everybody fails on the first try. I was lucky enough or blessed enough to pass the first time, but I was scared, you know, like, so we're going to go through these different experiences that we're going to be scared of. So, but that doesn't mean don't do it. Right. But I think having the help and having the support and uh, figuring out the ins and the outs, like, okay, these are the things I need to prepare for. These are the things I should be cautious of. I think it makes the experience, I wouldn't say easier, but it makes it a little bit more bearable to kind you know of go through. Into. Yes. <laughs> yes. Know what you're getting into for right. sure. I had, I've had some family members and some friends that said, that have said, or ask, why didn't you tell me that this was going to be hard? Why didn't you tell me breastfeeding was going to be this, this difficult? And it's like, we've each had to, you know, <laughs> go through it by ourselves. And, you know, it shouldn't be that way. But I think because we're, we're individuals, we each deal with 
with events or situations differently. So it's like, oh, you're going to hate it or you're, you're going to love it. It's just something that we have to understand. So I, like you said, if we had somebody sharing with us, okay, so this is how it could be. This is how, mm -hmm. um, this is how you might take it. If we had somebody sharing that with us, I think that that would help us like, oh, okay. So I know how I work under these circumstances. So let me prepare myself. Right. What could come. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, you know, you were blessed enough to have uh, a midwife who knew to connect you with someone that could help you through that process. Not everyone else is either um, privileged enough or even know that they have access to that resource. So we definitely have some work to do in figuring out how we can make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. Um, right, what would you say has been the most challenging thing for you as a couple? Yeah, so so you touched on it a little while before, and I was about, like thinking to myself, like, yeah, that, that's it. So for me, it would definitely be setting boundaries for extended family, for, you know, in-laws. And I mean, listen. I don't know who all is listening to this, if you're dating, if you're married, if you're engaged, I don't know what it is. But listen, do not underestimate the role that outside family plays yes. in your marriage. Like when we got married, especially when we had kids, like one thing that there will never be a shortage of, there'll never be a shortage of opinions. So <laughs> yeah, because you got a big family, dude. <laughs> she has a big family. I got a big family. And so, you know, it's like a constant barrage of, you know, why do you do it? Why do you do that? Why do you do this? Why come you didn't ask me? I would have told you to do this. Maybe you should think about doing this. I mean, it's just, it's just like a constant influx. And then, you know, um, not, not only not only do you have opinions, but then you, you just have, um, you know, two families that are used to having, you know, unlimited access to us, right? My, my family is is used to being able to call whenever they want to when I was single and I, and I would answer, I would be there. If they needed me to come, I could, I could you know, drop whatever I was doing and, and go. And then when I got married, my priorities shifted and Lily became number one, right? So, um, you know, so I, I don't necessarily drop everything for family anymore. I drop everything for her. And, and that was a, a much harder adjustment for, um, for I think our families than what we thought it was going to be. And we talked with our pre-engagement, you know, therapist about it, uh, answered a bunch of questions. But in my mind, I'm thinking like, no, I mean, they know that we're in love. So they're going <laughs> to be in love too. They're going to love myself. <laughs> Lies, right? I mean, you know, it's, it's a perfect case scenario, but it doesn't always work out like that. You have, you have pitfalls, you know, uh, um, you may not like certain people. They may not be feeling you. You got to navigate difficult conversations. And so I would just say, just, just be prepared to set boundaries. Because at the end of the day, what I had to, and, and I'm speaking as one early in our marriage, and it was a fault of mine that I would get in trouble a lot with my wife because I would defend my family over her. I would defend mama over her. I would defend siblings on, you know, over her. Then I had to realize like, I didn't sleep with my mama. Yeah. I'm here fighting, like fighting tooth and nail for my mama who's in Maryland. I'm in Michigan, laying next to her, and now I gotta go to bed and I'm facing this wall, she's facing that wall, and I'm sleeping peacefully, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Number one, you, you you protect home. You you of course you love your family. You want the you know you want the best. You want them to to love on you all like you love on them. But you, you know you got to take what what you have. Difficult conversations, uncomfortable conversations must be had. Um, but I would definitely say that has been for me the most challenging thing is setting boundaries for extended family. Yes, boundaries are so important. Like I can have a whole separate conversation about just boundaries alone because yes, it's a struggle. Like for me, I'm an only child, right? And me and my mom were like this. Mm -hmm. Like you and my mom went anywhere, I was literally her shadow. And that's what a lot of people, you know, like growing up in our church home and stuff like that, they would say that about me. So I know for her having me be our only child, now my attention, because me and my mom, we talk multiple times a day. Um, we're texting, we're calling each other, you know, so to have someone else kind of take up my time and my attention, I know that that was a struggle for her, definitely. But I think one of the things that I reminded my mom of is that you're always going to be my mom. 
Like no one's going to take that place. I don't want anyone else to take that place. That doesn't mean that I won't have a relationship with, you know, Emilio, my husband, and that's going to look a a little bit different. Like he's going to have probably the uh, majority of my attention and now the kids. So yeah, I definitely say boundaries are so important. And for those of you guys listening, if you want some movies to help you out, like Jump in the Broom, Monster in Law, (laughs) those are just some of the movies. What was that other one? The one that's based off of um, Steve Harvey's book. I can't think of it. Yes, yes. If you watch that one, one and two, Miss Loretta, yeah, she's a trip. (laughs) There there are too many movies. Yes, yes. So, yeah, it's real. It's definitely, and it's not that like your family doesn't love you. And I mean, I don't know people's situation. In some situations, they might have it out for you, just depending on your family dynamics. But like, if you come from a family that's, you know, typically full of love and they support you, it's likely that you can run into issues when you enter these different phases of like from dating to getting married and to now being a parent. So yeah, definitely. Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. Okay. <laughs> yep. If you recognize that it's nine o'clock and somebody's calling you at 901, I will talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Anything for you, Lily, that you wanted to add about like, um, the most challenging thing that you feel like you guys have had to experience? All that you all have said. I yeah. am touch and agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for any of you listening, make sure that you guys start working from now on talking about what are our expectations? How yeah. do we protect our, our unit? What are the rules that we like to have in place? Kind of like what you said, Nate, like, you know, prior to you getting married, it was about you call, I answer. You need me there, I'm there. Well, let's talk about that. There are different holidays, you know, it's two of us now. So we got to split who's going to go where for which holiday, which holidays are just going to be us. And I know like living through this pandemic has sucked in some ways, but I think on the flip side, it's been a blessing because I was talking to... I think it was like a friend. I forget who it was or some of my clients. They're like, oh, how was your holiday? And I was like, you know what? It's been great. I had a whole bunch of people at my house. (laughs) I haven't had to cook for a whole bunch of people. We're not traveling anywhere. And we legit like just got to be still and enjoy and truly enjoy the holiday. Not have any drama, not have any unnecessary stuff going on. So I think people underestimate how critical holidays are. Holidays for families. Married families, that's a that could be an intense time. Yeah. Your family is always gonna want you for every holiday. Especially when you have kids. Especially when you have kids. So that's a big thing. It is. Yes, yes. So talk about those things. Sit down and at those regular business meetings that you guys have, those check-ins that you have, sit down and talk about these things. If you know that certain things are gonna be coming up in the year, the children's birthdays, um, other people's birthdays, Christmas, Thanksgiving, whatever holidays you c- celebrate sitting down and talking about, all right, what's our game plan for this year? And letting the family know ahead of time, hey, this is our plan. Mm -hmm. Um, And nothing you say or do is going to change that. This is a decision that we've made together. And I think that that's important when we talk about like boundaries, like you're always a united front. It doesn't matter who it is. It's not like, well, oh, Lily wants us to do this. Nope. It's, this is our decision. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's Mm -hmm. big, Hazel. Like somebody needs, I mean, you need to, somebody needs to write that down. Like (laughs) this is our decision because, well, I'll just leave it at that. Yes. (laughs) It it is. Yes. That that also came to mind when you were talking, um, because I I really believe that just like you you do with kids, but it's not, I'm not trying to patronize them and salt family, but just like you, similar to what you do with kids when you get married and when you have kids, it's almost like reteaching your family how to relate to you. Right. And yeah. like you said, if, if if we make a decision behind closed doors and then I go to my family and tell them the decision and they're able to talk me down off of it and then I go back, then that teaches them that if I nag enough, I'll change your mind. Right. Yes. And, so, and, and again, I don't think most families are trying to be malicious, trying to be insensitive or, you know, anything like that, although some may be. But I mean, people do what you allow them to do. So if mm-hmm. you them that that. Even when I say I'm firm on my decision, I'm not really that firm, then that's how they're going to treat. That's how they're going to treat the situation. So right. that kind of thing is very important because it becomes very easy for my family to jump on her because they think it was her decision, not just oh. with it or vice versa. 
and it just causes causes a mess. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when you think about like the different areas of your life that that skill is so important and think about your kids. I did an episode, I think like a couple of episodes ago where I said kids are excellent boundary pushers. Okay. They will, (laughs) they will ask you like my son, he will ask me for his iPad about 15 times. It'll be like, no, we're going to do this. All right, well, mommy, after I have my juice, can I have my iPad? Mommy, after I eat my food, can I have my iPad? (laughs) And you have to be so firm with them. It's like, no means no. Don't ask again. It's the same thing with like your family, like getting them to recognize, no, no means no. And this is our decision. And sometimes he'll try to go to his father if, you know, he's not in the same room as me. He was like, oh, um, can I have the iPad? Well, what did mommy say? Mommy said yes. And I'm like, no, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) and then he's like well nope mommy said no the answer is no and you know vice versa we do the same thing so i think yeah it's definitely important even with the family no means no you you definitely have to establish those boundaries and be firm with them because like you said nate at the end of the day you're laying in bed with lily and not all the other people that are trying to get you to change and shift those boundaries The last question I have here is what are maybe like two tips or words of advice that you would give to people in any of the categories that we talked about? And I know you you guys already dropped some gems, <laughs> um, but like dating, even if you're single and you're like feeling that pressure, like, oh my gosh, I need to find someone. So like mm-hmm. dating, single, new parents, newly engaged, what would you say? Yeah. So, so for me, I'll reiterate one of the things I said and then say something else. So the, the thing I want to reiterate is um, just the importance of counseling in all of its phases, whether it's pre-engagement, um, you know, premarital, post-marital, uh, individual counseling. When you have kids, just counseling, counseling, counseling. It's it's too important to overlook. So that that would be the first thing that I just want to make sure to emphasize as a as a tip or piece of advice. It's so so critical. Critical. Um, I'm speaking as someone who makes a habit of holding holding feelings in. And just kind of, you know, not wanting to be an inconvenience to other people. And so I just swallow it. And something else happens, I swallow it. And then one day I explode. And mm-hmm. so I, I would definitely say that. And the second piece of advice that I would give to, um, to to couples is to take full advantage of the time that you have before you have kids. Like <laughs> take, take full advantage of it. Go where you want. I remember when we were we were married. Um, you know, a couple of times we, you know, we, we got up at like two or three in the morning, and went to Waffle House, right? And, and, and just ate at Waffle House and just had a, you know, had a good time doing that or, or IHOP or something like that, just because we could, right? right. We traveled, you know, went to, went to, you know, basketball, football games. And I mean, just, just anything, take full advantage of, of that time that you have with, you know, with your spouse, um, you know, your best friend doing things together, having adventures, going on trips, all those things, because it does, it does change. I don't want to paint, you know, parent life as this like, oh, it's doom and gloom. I love being a, a father. I love being a parent. Mm-hmm. And it's fun in its own way. We get to yeah. you know, kind of reshape how we do family and we have fun doing that. But I also appreciated that, you know, five or you know, so years that we had just together where we could just be naked if we wanted to or sleep <laughs> in or stay up late and binge watch shows. Um, so those would be my, my pieces of advice. Yes, definitely. I'm trying to think of, of one. Um, there's so many, but I think whatever you did to get your spouse, who the person who is now your spouse, like keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Nate, um, most people don't know this, but he likes to write poems. And so, I expect him to keep writing poems for me. And then for me, I would um, like drive to his apartment, leave like a note and, or some can- or a note and candy, and you know just drive away and not say anything until he calls me. And I need to keep doing that for him. And I think sometimes, you know, when you're in a hustle, bustle, hustle and bustle of work life, and mm-hmm. then and then you add on being parents, you kind of not forget, but it those things that we used to do, you don't do them anymore or yeah. not often. And so whatever you did to uh, woo your, your spouse, keep keep doing it. Yes, yes. It's definitely important to keep dating each other just because you have me or you think you have me. <laughs> Doesn't mean, right? Because right. 
you guys can definitely, I mean, I know you don't want to, but you can definitely hold out on each other in the bedroom. If it's like, well, um, I don't think you've necessarily earned this because you haven't been treating me like the queen that I am. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just listening to what she's saying. And, oh, okay. And saying, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is definitely an awesome opportunity. I'm glad that I got to reconnect with you guys. You know, there's been so much that's been going on in this world. And just with us as just Black people, you know? Like, I know earlier, Lily, you said, like, being in America is hard. And I wanted to add earlier, but I forgot. Yeah, being Black in America is hard. Well, because there's just so much pressure and, and um, there's a little bit of fear mixed in that, you know, it's like, will I make it home safely? Will my husband make it home safely? Will my kids, you know, be okay? Will they be treated fairly? So there's just so much going on. And I mean, I've been joking with some other therapist friends and saying like, at some point we'll all process through our feelings and our emotions for 2020. I don't think we're ready to do that yet, but at some point we will. <laughs> um, so, you know, with all of that that we've been through and that's happened, I felt like, hey, we need to celebrate and we need to do something positive. Let's talk about Black love. Let's talk about parents who are out here doing the thing. Um, and, you know, couples who are just trying to not only continue to love each other, but also keep it real about like what it takes to really have a successful marriage and what it takes to be awesome parents. So thank you guys for being a part of this episode. I am happy that you have been able to join me today, and I hope that you truly enjoyed this conversation with Nate and Lily. For those of you who are new to the podcast, be sure to go back and check out the last two episodes from season two, where we are celebrating Black love for the month of February. Season one is also filled with special guests and real discussions about parenthood, marriage, dating, and simply learning ways how to be the best you. For more information about the services and resources that I provide, head on over to my website, which is www.itsapparentlytime.com. And that's I-T-S-A-P-A-R-E-N-T-L-Y-T-I-M-E. As I continue the celebration of Black love and all its beauty, be sure to join me next Tuesday for my discussion with Steve's and Val. Well, thanks for listening in, and I hope that you'll stop by again and hang out with this melanin queen keeping it real.